We are back. We're back. You make it sound like there's like not a big deal, you know? I was like, we're back. Okay. No, I'm we're saying here. like, you know, us again. Your again, boys. Thursday evening. November 15th. Sports. Science with John Brinkus. Nope. Brought to you by our sponsors from ESPN. Nope. <laughs> so, j- just to set the scene a little bit, we like doing that. Um, set on the stage. Give me a little setting. This is our first official um, sick podcast. Yeah, it's, it's uh, my flu pod, if you will. Flu pod. I don't have the flu. I got my flu shot Good. a couple weeks ago, so I should be fine. What was that? Me showing my approval of you getting a flu shot. Oh, thank you. Yes, everyone... Um, Actually, let's not take a stand on that politically charged thing. But I got my flu shot, and uh, you know I've been feeling good. Uh, but you see, like you yesterday and the day before, <laughs> um, uh, I started getting hit with like you know a little bit of the, the sniffles, and now it's uh it, it's it's you know become full blown cold, f- merging into sick. Um, yeah, Alan, how would you describe my nose shade right now? Crimson. Crimson Tide. Great lead into Alabama. Alabama this week is, um, you know, playing top notch competition. They're playing the Citadel. Um, in football. In football, I have some thoughts this on this. Late this in the late year? year, they always do it, and I don't like it. Why? Because they're playing a cupcake team late in the year. No offense to anyone who's at the Citadel. We love the Citadel. Great hotel in Jerusalem. Yeah, um, and and also uh, a great university with uh, esteemed academics. We think. Um, but Alabama's going to blow the doors off them. They may be like 70 nothing. They may not They may not even play like Hurts and Tua may not play. And they're still going to win by 40. Really? They're both hurt a little bit. So, wow. I don't like it. I understand that like it's how you schedule. But, you know, UCF, they're not scheduling any cupcakes. And this is where we start our UCF should make the playoff conversation. Every year. Every year. I mean, they haven't lost. They haven't lost in two years. Should I offer the Ohio State guys a place to stay? What do you mean? We're playing them in football on Sunday. That's true. Saturday. You should. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of tuned out of Maryland football. I mean, I think no, we don't have a bowl game yet. I think UCF should make. I, I think if they don't, if your team doesn't lose, you know, who? Oh, they were going to play at North Carolina. That's a pretty big game. I guess I. I don't know. Maybe not. They didn't win against bad teams by enough. I don't know. Maybe well, they need to step up their schedule. They they play in a bad conference. They have to move into a different conference. They should move it to the. I don't know where they move. And where got, would they move? SEC in Florida. Where they move? Um, Big Twelve. I can see them actually going to the Big Twelve. It how's make, how's their defense? Rap. I mean, they don't lose, man. They beat Auburn last big, year. Big they beat Auburn. And that's crazy. You know. So, I, I don't know. I, I think you should give them a shot. They're the 11th ranked team in the country. That's ridiculous. They haven't lost a game. There are teams who have lost twice ahead of them. I don't know. Um, and, and just to give a little bit of a uh, foreshadowing of what's to come in this episode, we're going to um, be starting a new segment today called The History in Sports, where Daniel and I are going to tell you um, a cool tidbit, cool fact from the history of sports. Daniel, which is, which is funny because um, we're twenty years old, right? Um, and Daniel, um, Daniel did not know we were starting this. I did not know until we were this. I announced this is, it. You are finding out as I'm finding out. Let, not actually because we're recording this before you hear it. 
Just whoa. And time. Crazy and stuff. Long Island University is involved. Stay tuned. LIU Brooklyn? Yes. Hmm, we'll interesting. Get there. Okay. I think so. Um, um, but before. Also, uh, before. I, I have a lot to say. Right. Uh, I would like to congratulate myself on the selection of Aaron Jones as my in my fantasy football league. Yeah, nice job. Um, we're actually going to check right now to see what round I took him in. Ed, guys, I say it every year. Thank God my friends don't from back home in my fantasy league don't listen to this because they're not good friends, but they're great friends. Um, <laughs> if they're listening, just draft backup running backs all day. It's a no brainer. Handcuff. Now, um, my problem is, um, on my fantasy team, is that I only have backup running backs. Um, for example, Kenyon Drake. Why doesn't he play? Um, Tariq Cohen, who I love. Um, he's really good, but he's also like, he, he's, I don't, know, I don't know what I'm doing in drafting running backs. That's just what I'm saying. Daniel, talk to your, I'm, I'm, they call me the running back whisperer. Are you act? No, yeah. That's not true. Who are my who, running backs? Who, who ever called you that? Name a person. Don't say Alan Sokoloff. He said Alan Sokoloff. There it is. That felt like a Michael Scott moment. It felt like honestly. a Michael. Yeah, like people say I'm the best boss. Um, <laughs> Where is it? Not on the app. Don't what? worry. Have no fear. Okay. I'll, I'll go to. Um, but as I was saying, I've lost five straight weeks. If anyone has any fantasy advice, um, dude, you're sitting next to the running back whisperer. No one calls you the right. Okay, the point is. I bet I, I picked up LaShawn McCoy last week, which seems like a great move. Um, I benched him though because Yahoo, this guy Who on Yahoo, LaShawn McCoy, uh, Josh, in our league, in our league, yeah. And um, what I did was I was standing right. That's next how to you him. know I have a bad record. I was standing right next to him, and um, then I scooped him up. Why isn't there waivers? There was waivers, but I no one knew he was dropped. So I, I, I don't know. People could have checked, but. Smells like collusion, but okay. It's not. He just happened to do it right next to me. He happened to drop the trauma quite, and I was right there. So what am I supposed to do? Daniel, just, I'm too curious. How's um the flu pod going for you so far? I'm feeling good. I, my voice may you're sound a bit... You're not feeling good, but I think you're doing... No, like, I'm, I'm feeling good, like, emotionally. Like, I, I can hold up. Great. But I am looking for forward boys. to some NyQuil tonight. Um, You know, I need it. You shouldn't take it if you don't need it. But, you know, I need it, so I'm looking forward to getting some, uh, you know, some good sleep tonight. And FYI, for anyone looking for a job, it looks like ESPN Fantasy Football is looking to hire people. Really? Um, Daniel, maybe they need an um, analytics guy. Maybe, but maybe maybe they need a running back whisperer. Ooh, like me. Like Alan. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I banished the Sean McCoy. He had his best week of the year by like 15 points. Um, I also benched, uh, who else did I bench? I benched, I benched Kerryon Johnson, who was also great. Why? Who did you start over him? I started Kenyon Drake. Kerryon Johnson was going against the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Um, and the Bears have a really good run defense, so I'm just going off of the knowledge that I have, and then the players aren't doing what I want them to do. Twelfth round. That's a good pick. Here, I'll read my running backs, and you'll tell me if I'm the running back whisperer, okay? You don't, you don't, like, coach them. I 13th overall pick, Kareem Hunt. Ugh. 15th overall pick, Christian McCaffrey. That's pretty good. 36th overall pick, Lamar Miller. Mm. Royce Freeman was the next one. Nice. In the fourth round. 
It's an awful pick. Yeah, a little bit. Chris Carson, not a good pick. So you hit about half the picks you have. My early one, my, th- that just proves my point. I nailed it with Hunt and McCaffrey. And then you just, back of the draft. Everyone, if Rod Smith is available in your league, pick him up. I think that that's a dude with talent. And if he is available, scoop him up, handcuff Zeke. It's a no-brainer. Um, and Daniel? Um, yeah. Um, I, we forgot we've something. got something. No. No. A little late, but it's time for the, the current. current. So, Alan, what's going on? Um, I feel like we've been doing that for the past few minutes. Uh, what's going on? But one thing that's really going on, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. That's a lot. Let's break this down. Okay, so basically, last possession of the game in L.A. against the Clippers. Draymond gets the board. There's like six seconds left. Katie's calling for it. He's saying, I want the ball. That's usually what happens when you call for it. I don't know why I'm breaking it down this much. Um, Draymond just goes on one of those Draymond runs to the basket and then turns it over. Like usual. Not like usual. He usually makes a pretty good decision out of that, but, you know, Katie's like their closer when Steph's not there. And arguably when Steph is there, he's their closer. Um, so Draymond doesn't get the ball, turnover. Katie goes after Draymond, you know, got to give me the ball there. And then Draymond, never one to back down from a fight, Starts going after KD, uh, allegedly about, like, you know, his impending free agency. Like, you don't want to be here, something like that. Like, you know, why, you know, why, why are you not, like, shooting down the rumors about, like, New York? Why, like, whatever. Um, and he, he says some other mean things. And, and what, what could you depict from Kevin Durant's uh, lip reading? I, I saw that it said, that's why I'm leaving. But I think it was actually um, this beeps. Wild. I think that's actually what it was. And you think it's some confirmation bias going on? I think it's confirmation bias with the lip reading. I also read the comments on that, and they said, no, that's actually not what he's saying. So, who knows? But I'm pretty sure he's like, man, this is crazy with this Draymond guy. He's kind of crazy. Um, I think a big part of this is that um, how important Steph is to maintaining team chemistry. If there's a guy who um puts the team before himself, like... Like, for, for, like, as a superstar or even a star, I've never seen one more selfless than, than, than Steph. He, a guy breaks his own record. He's the one who passes him the ball. He's cheering for him just as, as much as anyone. When have you heard about drama between Steph and another player? What, did you hear about any drama when KD came there and started taking Steph's shots? No, nothing. Just going with it. You know, wanting to win basketball games. I think that's something that's very important that sometimes gets overlooked with how this whole Golden State machine works. There's a lot of personality on that team, and Steph kind of keeps everyone... Steph and Steve Kerr, they kind of keep everyone even-keeled. Mm-hmm. And, and he wasn't on that road trip. I just wanted which to is important, um, tell my mom, if she's listening, I just backed up a little bit from Daniel to avoid trying to catch what he has. And also, yeah. I'm going to scrub down my room with some Purell. What you can do um, is, you can like... I don't know, like... You know, it was like maybe it was like some some Febreze to clear the air. I don't think that would work germ wise, but I think it'll make you feel better. Hey, um, a little placebo effect, actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the, they they talked today. Draymond and Katie talked today. They were seen walking into the. Seemed like they were having a nice conversation, you know. And I, I think they're they're gonna be okay. It's gonna be. I I think this is all blown out of proportion. If this happens on the case. In the words of Clay Thompson, this is gonna be in the past, just like a ponytail. Which who knows what that means. <laughs> But it's awesome. I get it. I get it too. It's like in the back. I like it too. But the question is, 
has Clay Thompson considered or has he ever had a ponytail? I say he has considered it. I don't think he's ever had it, but I think he's considered it. And uh, I'd like to see it happen. Man bun Clay. Starting a hashtag man bun Clay. Let's see it happen. I'm ready. Let's go viral. Yeah, that that too. But not in the sick way. Uh, in the, the internet way. Right. Love that. Um, so we had a great interview we today. We did. We did. Um, college basketball analytics guru, Bart Torvik. Daniel Schaff. No, Bart oh. Torvik. Right. Um, and it was a great interview, and we hope you enjoy it. We'll see you on the other side of the interview. We now welcome to the pod Bart Torvik. He is the creator of the T-Rank College Basketball Analytic Tool. You can check out his awesome website at barttorvik.com. And for College Troops content, check out his Twitter account at totally underscore T underscore bomb. We are honored to have Bart Torvik on the pod today. Welcome. Thank you. Great to be here. Um, Before we get into previewing the season, how did you get into college basketball analytics? Well... I've been a fan for a long time. I grew up in Madison, uh, went to Wisconsin. Um, I was I sort of came of age during the dark times of uh, training for an NIT birth. Um, but then, you know, the Badgers got good and consistently good. Um, I became a bigger and bigger fan, um, especially the 2000 run to the Final Four. is probably one of my favorite sports moments as a fan. Um, and then, you know, being a Badger fan, I think... Um, kind of draws you into analytics a little bit more than maybe some other fan bases just because they play so slow, you know, as, as far as tempo free stats go. You know, so you constantly hear about how they have a terrible offense but a great defense and then you watch the games and it doesn't really it doesn't really match with what you're watching and um, so I think that's why I was predisposed to getting into cal- more into the uh, analytics and the tempo free stuff and and then, you know, so I was just on the internet, looking at stuff like that, um, Ken Pomeroy's site and um, other sites like that, and I kind of snowballed from there, I guess, to a veritable obsession. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so just um, for some of our listeners who don't aren't so um, well-versed on analytics, can you just explain what tempo-free stats means? Sure. So the basic idea there is that instead of looking at points per game or other stats per game, you're looking at them on a per-possession basis. Um, So basically the divider there is possessions instead of just games. And the reason that's a big deal in college basketball is because there's a wide variety in the number of possessions per game, and it varies a lot depending on the team. So Wisconsin typically plays, you know, let's say 70 possessions or or fewer per game, and other schools play 80 or or more, you know. So if you're looking at just points per game, you can get kind of a skewed uh, idea of what's going on. Right, yeah. And uh, get jumping into this season a little bit, uh, Duke is obviously the main storyline. And how, how impressed right. uh, have you been with them in the Champions Classic and then the rest of the game since then? Well, actually, super impressed. Um, you never know what you're going to get with a team like that that's all freshmen even even though they're you know three of the top five recruits coming in doesn't always pan out and, and I think most of us have gotten a little bit wary of getting too hyped about teams like that because there is value to experience in, in college basketball um, but it seems like they so far at least it seems like they've kind of hit the 
know what they're doing out there. Um, so hopefully, I don't want to say hopefully, but as you know, someone whose favorite team lost to Duke in the national championship game a couple years ago, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, uh, maybe it'll be, maybe they'll, they'll probably crash earth a little bit at some point, but, but maybe not. It could be like mm-hmm. Kentucky that year, 2015, where they're just a super team and mm-hmm. it'll take a lightning strike to beat them. So I'm from Cleveland. I'm a Cavs fan. If you had to, okay. if you had to, um, Cavs versus Duke today, who would you put your money on? Well, that's, uh, I guess I'd still go with the Cavs. Um, though I have to admit, I don't know a lot about their roster. <laughs> um, There's uh, not much to know, honestly. Uh, <laughs> all, all I'm saying it is kind of amazing, though. You know, just how good those NBA teams are and how, how many great, great college players that we follow don't even get a sniff in the NBA. Those guys are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it's interesting, though, because, like, Sexton, I think, was the leading scorer for the Cavs last night with 24 points, and he wasn't even a top-five pick. So then you take a Williamson, a Barrett, and, and a Reddish, and it's like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it would be too close for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you. Yeah, like, Tom Sexton's their best player. Then, then you got me thinking about it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, it is like there's this leap that people don't necessarily understand unless you watch a lot of basketball at different levels. That there's this leap from like high school to college to like different levels of college to the pros to being good in the pros. There's like this crazy step of how good people can be at college at, at basketball. It just right. You don't really understand if you just yeah. watch one level. So it, it also, like, just when Daniel and I play, like, one-on-one, it's, it's the crazy the, the difference between, like, me and him. Um, Are you – in what way? Just like 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 we were – like Bart was talking about before, just all the non-tempo stats go my way. What's the phrase? So you, all, all the tempo-free. Tempo free. So you're yeah. saying you, you play with a slow pace I'm, in one I'm, I'm not a big speed guy. I like <laughs> to take it slow and steady, but if you put me in a half-court right. offense, it's game over, Daniel. That's Sorry. Not- I just beat, I've beaten you before in half course. Whatever. And, and keep it on track with uh, the Cavs talk. The comparisons have been made between Zion Williamson and LeBron already. Uh, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you did, the clip of Zion's throwback dunk last night, very similar to LeBron's staple dunk. Well, what are your thoughts on those comparisons? Well, I'm not ready to go there yet, obviously. But, uh, you know, the, the hype coming in, that I knew of, and I don't really get into recruiting, so I don't see these guys in high school or AAU very much, but you see the, the dunk videos of Williamson, and obviously he's just a physical specimen, you know, a freak, a guy who's that fast and that big and that strong and that springy, you know, and so those that's where the, I would say, the comparison to LeBron comes in, but LeBron is another guy who's just, you know, it, not many people grow like that with that kind of athletic ability and hand-eye coordination. And so, you know, the potential is there for him. The, the play I was most impressed with in watching the first game against um, uh, Kentucky was he did a little, you know, um, off the dribble, step back, mid-range, two-point jumper. Right, which yeah. is not a great shot, but, you know, if, if he can do that with any degree of efficiency, he's just an unstoppable player, and he can hit the three. And so he's just got all three levels and, and freakish athletic gifts and length and all this stuff. So, yeah, the tools are there um, if he's really that good, if he's really hitting jumpers at the rate that LeBron hits them and he's that fast and all that stuff, then maybe. But 
I would hold judgment on that for maybe a year or two. Yeah, and also like you can see from I, I was kind of surprised from this because in high school we didn't really play with like against the best talent or with the best talent. Mm-hmm. So, but he's really shown to be a willing and very talented passer. Like on that play against Kentucky, he had a block where he just caught the ball, and then he just had right. three dribbles and then a bounce pass in transition to R.J. Barrett, which was like threading the needle. Kind of, it kind of looked like a LeBron type pass, which was something that yeah. you know, stood out. Right. Very, very high IQ player. Right. So if you combine that athleticism with court awareness and all that stuff, that is that's scary. So last night I was watching uh, Michigan Villanova. At Villanova, I thought it would be a really tight game, and then Michigan just blew their doors off. Um, right. People have been talking about the Big Ten kind of being down this year. Um, I guess last night showed that maybe it's not. What are What are your thoughts on um, Michigan, Villanova, and also Marquette, Indiana from last night? Yeah, um, overall in the Big Ten, obviously they're off to a great start. Um, you know, Wisconsin had a big win at Xavier. Another team you don't know how good they're going to be, but still, it's a, it's a major conference road mm-hmm. win, which yeah. is a big deal. Um, Indiana blew the doors up Marquette as well, which is a surprise. Another game ex- expecting to at least be close. Michigan destroying Villanova, a huge surprise on the road, obviously. Um, and so, you know, and Nebraska so far is just blowing everybody out. Mm-hmm. Another Seton Hall, another team, we don't know how good they're, how good they're going to end up being, but still, probably going to be decent. Um, so, University yeah, so of far, Maryland so far, blew yeah, out Maryland North Carolina A and T. There you go. Um, <laughs> For context, so, Maryland too. You know, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's better than the alternative, right? That's uh, true. That's true. They, they didn't <laughs> blow out Delaware, though. That, that, was, that was concerning. That was rough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, but we'll, we'll find out soon enough with Maryland and the other teams. But you know, Minnesota's another team that. I think there's a wide variety of opinions about we don't really know about yet, but the ones who've given us some reason to make, to like um, draw draw a firmer opinion have generally been positive, right? Uh-huh. Um, and so this, so far the conference is kind of racking up these um, these wins in the non-conference that will probably pay dividends, if, you know, in whatever computer system is behind the selection at the end of the day. It's going to going to help. They're going to get more quadrant one and quadrant two wins than they did last year. I think there's not going to be a Nebraska this year stuff out of the tournament despite winning 14 Big Ten games or whatever. Um, I think I think we'll get a 10-10 team in out of the Big Ten conference this year if this continues. And obviously it could all be, it could all be a fluke. Um, some amount of flukiness probably. But Michigan, you know, the thing with Michigan is their defense continues to just be great. Like, as good a defense as anybody's ever played over those three games, maybe ever, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, and they did it last year too. And and kind of thought, well, is it just is it just one of those years where you know they got lucky? But more and more, it's seeming like they just have figured something out. They they're clamping down. They've got this, you know, this coach, defensive coordinator, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and Beeline has really adapted. I, I you know, I was. A long time ago, it was kind of a beeline skeptic because he ran this junk zone defense, but he changed, you know. So that's the sign of a great coach. He's figured out what works, and boy, does it ever. Yeah. So is Michigan your pick to win it, Big Ten at least? Well, you know, coming into the year, Michigan State was the only team that I felt confident was 
you know, I didn't have a lot of question marks about them. They have, you know, three very talented players and they were going to be a core and, and plenty of talent around them. So I still think, I still think I would probably say they're my favorite just because I'm, I don't want to drop too much off of one game on Michigan, but right now I would say it's probably Michigan and Michigan State neck and neck. As if I were forced to pick somebody, I would just flip a coin at this point. Is there uh, one guy that you followed in college that's gone on to have great success in the NBA and um, you kind of knew in college, like, this guy's got something? Hmm. Well, you have to remember I'm a Badger fan. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> let's see. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Finley is the answer. Okay. Um, so Michael Finley was uh, basically in college the same um, period I was just about um, that was actually so I was a senior in high school when um, Michael Finley and Richard Griffith took Wisconsin back to the to the tournament for the first time in 47 years um, and it's, you know some some uh, the younger people don't remember that Wisconsin used to be Northwestern they were just terrible They're, for generations um, just was a joke of a program and really both football and basketball so that was a huge deal. Michael Finley was a great college player, electrifying athlete. And then he, you know, he had a wonderful, I think, over 15-year career in the NBA. Mm. So he was definitely, he was, and he was pretty much the only Badger in the pros for a long time. Um, Devin Harris was after I graduated, after I graduated, but he was kind of the, the next real, you know, I think he made an all-star team um, in, in the pros. Yeah, so yeah. those two guys are, um, Kind of like R. Jake Layman's. What a bit. You know, you know what's really interesting to me about Jake Layman is that they start him, right? But right. he plays 14 minutes a night. He, that, gives him a, he always starts games very well. That's what he does. Is, that makes no sense. Where, to me. where is he playing? He's in Portland. Okay. I, I remember watching him. Yeah, when, I, when I was in high school, I would be watching him. What? <laughs> when I when I was in high school, I would just watch him and just start like yelling at the TV because he'd throw like a bad pass in the backcourt, and then they get a layup. I'd be like, "Just Jake Lehman," but apparently he's like really good. So, uh, so it was kind of yeah. A you never know. It's kind of like uh, for the Bucks, you know, they drafted Dante DiVincenzo yeah. from Villanova, who I was pretty skeptical about because he's kind of a classic. Had a great cha- championship game and a great run in the tournament, but a lot of a lot of times those guys get so overrated, but. Um, and I, I don't, I don't actually watch many NBA games, but it sounds like he's actually doing pretty well yeah. with the Bucks this year. Yeah, and and one thing that really surprised me about about him was his athleticism. Like he can get mm-hmm. up there, and I think that's something that that like, in kind of comparing him to like a Nick Stauskas type of thing. Like I think DiVincenzo has a lot more mm-hmm. athleticism um, than than one would think when just from watching a couple right. of college games here right. or there. He can shoot, but there's a lot more to his he game. He also gets to the rim and he yeah. can D yeah. up. He'd be able to D up with both of his initials being D. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Comes with it. <laughs> so well, Buffalo has kind of taken the college basketball world by storm with a win um, in Morgantown against West Virginia. Um, you know, what, outside of Buffalo, you know, who's been great, what, what are some mid-major teams that you're looking at and some players that you've been following in mid-major that – our listeners should be uh, keeping an eye out 
now and uh, come tourney time? Well, one that I'm kind of interested in is San Francisco out in the WCC. Um, they've, you know, they've only played a couple games, but they're sort of steamrolling people. And there was actually an article about them today in the uh, in the Athletic. I don't know if you guys saw that, but a pretty nice article about about Kyle Smith, their coach, and um, the gist of the article was that they're they were calling it nerd ball. That their whole coaching staff just is very analytic focused and has been for a while. Um, and so, you know, I like that. I'm rooting for them. Um, and I think they've got a game coming up here tomorrow against Arizona State at yeah. home. So um, a pretty good chance for them to get a, a major scalp for, for them and for the WCC. Um, so I, I'm, I'm definitely following them and interested in them. I, I've always liked Kyle Smith. I think he's a great coach. Um, and it'd be kind of interesting to get a new challenger out of that conference besides St. Mary's and BYU. Um, yeah, and also that, they, they they have an all name team candidate. Their point guard Frankie Ferrari. <laughs> oh yes, yep. he, he also the, the, the guy yeah. doesn't turn the ball over. He has like a what twenty to one assist to turnover ratio. Was he averaging like six wow. assists or something? He like has point three turnovers. Wow, that's a point guard right there. I say you play the one. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then actually, a player I've been noticing that just could use sort of showing up in my early algorithms for like player of the year type stuff is also in the West Coast. Um, it's Jordan Ford for St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I haven't, I haven't seen them play this year yet, but you look at his numbers and he's averaging about 30 points a game. Um, he's averaging, uh, I mean, he's not having huge numbers on assists, but of course, St. Mary's plays pretty slow. Nice. So, um, In terms of um, analytics, advanced statistics, when you're checking out who should be player of the year, what are a couple stats that you look at? Well, so I have this little algorithm that I threw together last year that, that at my site at pow.php, the POI page. Um, and yeah, so I'm kind of trying to... Um, mimic what most people would want, you know, in their player of the year. So I'm trying to try to mimic the, the all-conference team. That, that was the idea. I wasn't trying to come up with my own thing necessarily, but to do it objectively. Um, and basically what I do for that is kind of look at the um, various stats, um, you know, offensive rating, usage, assist rates, and those kind of things. So tempo free basis, um, and then and how far above basically the mean in terms of standard deviations they are in each of these stats. So there's offense and defense and then um, and that and basically come up with the formula from there. One other stat that I have um, to include in that that's not a real normal stat is sort of percentage of shots taken um, because ultimately that kind of the person who takes the most shots on a team is the most important player usually and also although people care about defense a little bit Ultimately, your player of the year has to be a great offensive player and has to be a player that can put the team on its back. Right. So those are those are the ones I focus on a little bit more. And it, it gets pretty pretty decent results um, historically tr- predicting conference, uh, you know, all-conference teams. And last year, the player of the year in that was R.J. Barrett. So pretty, pretty decent. Wow. 
That's great. Wait, who was the player of the year last year for it? I believe it was R.J. Barrett. For this year or last year? Oh, this year. This year so far, it's Jordan Ford. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, and... and yeah, but Zion Williams is number two. It, it's obviously two or three games. It's going to be all messed up, but... If you, it, it gets better if, on, I promise. if you were an NBA GM and what, what would the balance in your eyes be between like using the eye test versus using analytics and things like that let me go back and correct one thing I should, not Marvin Bagley the third is what I meant to say right. another tall yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretty much just melded in my mind so if right. I have to say the wrong name there yeah, so um, the NBA GM, I think obviously you need to, you need to do both. And I, they, they make so much money and they have so much money at their disposal. Um, to me, it makes sense for all of them to be hiring lots of guys just to sit at computers you know, and watch <laughs> film and come up with ideas. Um, but I can see why there's some skepticism at that level because as we were talking about before, the the freakishness of those players who can who can make it at that level. Basically, they're all just they're they're all people who are so physically unique. And you know, you talk about the length and the wingspan that is, is so important. Um, there's just aren't very many people in the world with seven foot wingspans who can throw a ball. <laughs> you know, with okay. any degree of accuracy. Um, so, and, but on the basketball court, obviously, that is just so advantageous on defense and things like that and and those things are hard to show hard to stress out with stats sometimes how important things can be you just kind of know it when you see it on the court um, how disruptive it is um, so obviously my bias would be that I don't think they've come quite far enough in acknowledging how much insight you can get with you know with stats and computers or so it's so easy nowadays computers are so powerful you don't even have to be that you know good with them really to do this stuff mm-hmm. um so i think they've got a little ways to go but the nba is not you know they're way ahead of the, of the nfl for instance and, and yeah kind of stuff, I think. maybe a little behind baseball though. They, they, it's kind of like they were the second to the party and the nfl is kind of trying to catch up now when the mlb like started in like right. the 70s and 80s as a brown fan i can tell yeah. you a fact the nfl has a lot of catching up to do in terms of <laughs> analytics <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, who who are three sleeper teams from you know high major conferences that you can see getting a top four seed in the tournament that may not be ranked right now, or like are in the twenties in the top twenty five? Hmm. Well, um, let's see here. I think Nebraska is Nebraska ranked. I don't know. I think Nebraska is looking pretty good so uh-huh. far. Um, you know, people were there was they were one of these Big Ten teams that there was a wide range of opinions about coming into the season, um, and so far I think they're just looking really good. And they've yeah. got uh, you know James Palmer Jr. Um, looks like he's potentially a star, like he could be Player of the Year in the conference. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, that's definitely you know I could still see the wheels falling off, we could right. still see that happening, but um, they're definitely a team with some potential. I think they get a top four seed. Um, you know, who else? What, I, what about like an NC yeah, State? NC State's another interesting one. I think they're they're looking pretty pretty good so far. I know they play Wisconsin later, 
And my preseason rankings weren't as high on them as some people, but, um, yeah, they've already moved into the, the top 30 of my rankings. I assume they're pretty similar in Kempom. So, the, you know, they've definitely uh, got a chance for that kind of thing. Um, I, was, I was interested. One player I followed with them is Sunderberg, who was originally a Ohio State commit. And then I think he went down to, to Juco, and I was back for them. Um, and I found him because those kind of players really messed up my, my system. <laughs> I tried to track them. Um, and Because and, he was a higher recruit, and that's important for my projections. Um, and trying to, trying to, you know, attach that recruit ranking to a guy out of Juco in any systematic way, this is one of the joys of the offseason for me. How do you um, account for recruiting within the um, the algorithm? Is it just ranking, or like are some rankings more important? Like, would RJ Barrett be ranked like higher than like you know a, a number one recruit in a different class that's not as stacked or whatever? No, it's just, it's just rank. Okay, um, rank and then height um, basically are the, the two stats that I use to project freshmen. Um, so, and it's 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 on a pretty sliding scale. Like once you get down the top 10 recruits, if you have a top 10 recruit can really affect your preseason ranking in my system a lot and top 20 somewhat. Then once you get down to 50, those guys often don't really have much of an impact right. um, as opposed to kind of a replacement of the let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just based on historical, you know, uh, performances and obviously a lot of times they do have impact. Sometimes they just redshirt. Sometimes they steal a car and they never hurt from a game. You know? <laughs> Shout out to Billy Preston. Oh, it didn't steal a car. But... <laughs> right, exactly. Cav. Cav. Yeah. Cav. Bob <laughs> Cleveland. Okay. <laughs> um, only now... the best. What was that? Only the best. Only yeah, the only best. the best. <laughs> uh, so now we're going to get into a little bit of a rapid fire segment where we'll ask you okay. a few questions and... Don't overthink it. Just Don't overthink it. First thing that comes to mind. Gotcha. Um, Cavs or Duke? <laughs> <laughs> Alabama or the Browns? Okay. Uh, who's your favorite player this year? Your pet player. Uh, Ethan Happ. Yeah, I mean, I like him too. I'm Homer pick, but um, I've got a whole page on my website devoted to Happ's pursuit of basically every record in the Badgers record book. Um, that's got a, a fun thing about it. It just fills up the statue blocks. Yeah. Too. Coppin State, but it's okay. <laughs> um, Coppin State, coached by Juan Dixon, Maryland really? legend. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. I mean, they're terrible. Yeah, Magic lost to him uh, back in the day in the 2002 tournament. Yeah. Go, ter- go Terps. Um, <laughs> will a 15 or 16 seed win, win a tournament game this year? Um, I'll go. I'll go. Yeah. Favorite mid major conference to follow? Um, favorite mid major conference to follow? I think it's, if you call it a mid major, the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, I like staying up late and watching those games. I think I think they're going to be so far. They've been great, and I think I think they're going to be maybe a three bid league this year. 
Um, who's your player of the year pick? Um, I'll say one of the Duke freshmen. Uh, I'm not gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with Zion. Yeah. Just because he's, he's great so far. And he's got, you know, got the charisma, I guess, maybe to mm-hmm. um, pull people in. And if you had to predict your final four teams and then champion... At this point, I know it's early, but... Um... Terps. Gotta be the Terps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Final four. Um, I'm going to go uh, Gonzaga, Duke, Virginia, and... Kansas. Kansas? And Kansas will be the uh, I'll take Kansas as the national champion. Yeah, we, we didn't even talk about Kansas, but they're loaded. How, how do you deal with their yeah, transfers in the uh, algorithm? Well, I they were expected to do big things. Um, you know, the transfers again are just kind of based on historical stuff, and and the main the main variable for transfers as opposed to how they're going to do versus their prior stats is kind of the the difference in the conference strength. So lateral transfers typically kind of perform the way they performed previously. Um, and um, up transfers struggle with, in other words, people go into a harder conference. But uh, the, the Lawson brothers um, were expected to do pretty well for them, and, and Dietrich especially. Um, Charlie Moore, he was from California, I think, right? Yeah. Um, and he was also in recruiting rate coming in too, so he, I believe he was pretty highly rated recruit as well. Obviously, Lawson was as well. So those guys were expected to do pretty well, and so far they're living up to the billing. So, um, last question: Who is your first favorite player in college basketball? I think like college basketball is something that when you grow up with it, it's something that could be really magical. Like for me, it's like either Scotty Reynolds or Steph Curry. Like not like retrospect Steph Curry, like actually from early on Steph Curry and uh, Scotty Reynolds from Villanova. Uh-huh. I remember he had uh, the game winner against Pittsburgh. I think it was the Elite Eight in the tournament in like 2008. Uh-huh. I was, what was I? I was, ten, year, I was ten, 10 years old. No, nine years old, rather. Wow. Nine years old. And I was like, whoa, it's cool stuff. <laughs> so so <laughs> who was that for you? So the first one that jumped to mind, the first Final Four I can remember watching on TV, I think it was probably, I think it was like 1984, um, and it was that was when Georgetown was in the Final Four, I believe, for the second year in a row with Patrick Ewing, and Patrick Ewing was just such a monster um, in the lane back then. I, remember, I believe, like in the championship game, maybe it was the semifinal, there was basically three straight possessions where he was called for goaltending. Just because he was, by, he just wasn't going to let any shot get by him. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it didn't matter. And, and it, so he was so intimidating. He was just such a beast. Um, so that that's the first one I remember. And then obviously he became a Hall of Famer. And so I always remembered um, that first Final Four I saw. And then weirdly, the, the one that the first time I really remember following the tournament closely was Michigan's. Um, even though I hate Michigan, obviously. Um, <laughs> Michigan's run to the championship in 19, I think it was 89, with Steve Fisher. And for some reason, I just memorized all those guys on that team, like uh, I think it was Neil Robinson and the Glenn Rice team. And so those guys, and 
Glenn Rice was another guy I really liked, and I, he had a great pro career too. Just could just shoot, you know. He was one of the one of the early um, big guys who could bigger guys. Obviously, he wasn't a foot or anything, but he was mm-hmm. a taller guy who could really shoot from three, sort of ahead of his time in that way. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Do you want a, a quick second to plug your Twitter, um, plug your website? Sure. Because I, I, I really love it. Sure. I want all the listeners to be able to appreciate it also. So uh, Awesome. So yeah, the site is, is barttorvik.com, B-A-R-T-T-O-R-V-I-K. That's my name. Sometimes people make fun of my website name. And just my name. What you can make fun of me for is my Twitter handle which is totally underscore T underscore bomb. Um, and that's just, you just got to deal with that. Um, and so there, that's my plug-in. So thank you so much. Great. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, enjoy the slate tonight. We'll do it. All right. You too. Wow. That was a good one. That was great. That was a lot of fun. Thank you, uh, Bart, for coming on. Guys, watch college basketball. If there's one thing you get out of this... Um, besides uh, subscribe and follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Um, on Twitter, we're at Sock N Schaff, capital N, S-C-H-O-P-F is how you spell my last name. Sock without the K. Just S-O-C. Um, our names are pretty confusing, I guess. Yeah. Whatever, it's fine. Um, not our fault. Not <laughs> our fault. Um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Watch college basketball, just... It's a lot of fun. So many teams, so many great storylines. A guy yesterday on Robert Morris against uh, Aloysius or whatever, or Aloysius State. Aloysius is not a state. Um, Robert Mor- a guy on Robert Morris named, uh, I believe, Josh Williams. Let me make, let me make sure. Uh, he hit 15 threes in a game. What? Yeah. 15 trifectas. Seven in the first half, eight in the second half. No, that's, that's the wrong guy. Wait. Josh Williams... Basketball. Yeah, yeah, right guy. Okay, so he um he had forty nine last night with fifteen threes. And um, that's awesome. Uh, among other things that are awesome, just college basketball in general. You know, some great matchups last night. You had Michigan Villanova, which we talked about in our interview. Also, um, we had uh, you know, there was a Marquette Indiana right after that. Uh, it's just a lot of fun, and you know I'm a little biased. You know I've I've loved college basketball for many years, but you know it's never too late to jump on. You know, uh, you know uh, the college basketball community will take you in with open arms, and uh, yeah, it was really really great having Bart on. And we actually are um, we had we debuted a new segment like maybe a month a month and a half ago, and we have been trying to bring it back for a while, and we're finally bringing it back. And we're back. It's time for the, the fans fan minute. minute. The fan, fan minute, minute is when we have uh, one of our fans talk for like a minute or less or ask us a question. And just to get, you know, a different voice on the pod besides us and the people we interview, just, you know, a fresh outlook, a little bit of a fresh opinion or question. Um, this week's uh, fan minute, which is actually a fan 24 seconds, um, <sighs> which is fitting because, you know, 24 second shotgun. Which actually ties, actually ties into, into the topic. No. Yes. Yes. Which actually ties into the historical story of the day. Really? Yes. Very nice. Daniel so, has no idea. I have no what's idea coming. what's coming. Um, and you would hear a hot take? Uh, right now? 
Yeah, it's going to replace the hot take for this week. Really? Yeah. I feel like people want to hear the fan minute, though. Yeah. So the fan minute right now? Yeah. Like right now, mm-hmm. before your hot take. My hot take was the story is going to replace the hot take. Oh, nice hot take. But we're also going to have a hot take. Okay. Okay, cool. This fan minute is by uh, our good friend, Bitsalo Newman. And, uh, huge enjoy. fan. Huge fan of the pod. Thanks for the love, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're going to answer his question. If we had money, we'd send you a t-shirt. We would. I, I Maybe. Would we? I think we would. Um, maybe. Here's the fan minute. Right now. Yeah. Now. No. Hey, Daniel and Alan. As you know, I'm a big fan of the pod. And my question for both of you is, do you think, as many old-timers argue, that NBA defenses are getting worse nowadays? Or do you think that improvements in defense are simply not able to keep up with improvements in three-point shooting ability and shot selection? Okay, that's a good one. Let's break this down a little bit. Are NBA defenses getting worse or NBA offenses getting better and NBA defenses aren't getting better at the same rate? Both. NBA defenses are getting worse and they're also getting better? Offenses are getting better. Defenses are getting worse at the same time. Break it down. Uh, So I think that at the end of the day, we have um, offense scoring moves is what makes the big box these days. And uh, getting down and dirty and gritty, that's not usually making it to Bleacher Report House of Highlights. And I think that also since you normally associate with uh, the best teams is not really playing great regular season defense, and only in the postseason do they that's, step that's it up. That's just the Cavs, Allen. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's crazy. So I look like I got stumped. Daniel, why don't you give it a shot? Um, I, I, I think defense, defense actually have gotten better. The three-point shot has really caused offenses, and the NOA. I agree. There, there's inflation. There, there's Three-point shooting, and also... Teams are understanding how to play smarter, and they're kind of all using the same model of offense. We talked about analytics a lot on this pod. Um, again, shout out to Bartorvik. Check him out at his website. That's our cheering sound. Um, check him out. Um, check out his Twitter, at totally underscore T underscore bomb. Um, we talk about a lot about analytics, and I think analytics play a big role in, the, in the, these, this NBA data and three-point revolution. Three is better, bigger than two. Brooke Lopez, four years ago, didn't shoot a three. This year, he had a game with, I mean, he had eight threes in a game this year. Pure. From deep. From deep. And, like, so it's a totally different league. It's so much harder to guard guys because everyone's playing this, everyone's playing this ultra-efficient offense. So defenses are improving. Athletes are getting better. They're, they're, they have analytics for defense, too. But at the same time, um, you know, offense are just getting too good, too fast, and there's too much talent. And too much talent playing efficiently. So that's why scoring is going up. Also, but, guys are better shooters than they ever right, have Right, right. Yeah. There's just so much more skill in the league. I think that's really what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, like you, you could say defense are getting worse. I just think physicality maybe is going down due to hand check rules. You know, not in the new hand check rules. Um, but I, I think defense actually has gotten better. But it's not as notice, It's not as physical of a league. Amazing. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Batalo. Thank you. Um, hopefully next week we'll have another fan, fan minute. And hopefully you can come back on soon. Yeah. 
Um, and anyone else who wants to come on, reach out to us on Twitter. Or if you know us in person, reach out to us in person. You can call Facebook. us at... Nice try. No, yeah, almost. Our social security is... Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> we, or why do we have like five... Like our mom's hung up right then. Like, like what? Uh, why, why do we have like 2,000 listeners in this pod? Because like all these... 3,000. Like, that's all time. Um, we have 3,200 all-time plays. Yeah. We're averaging 106 plays per episode. Thank you, guys. Almost 107. 106.8. If, if, if you round. Every .8 person counts. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Um, we rather... view every person as a person. One person. Yes. Onward. Nice. Um, so, Alan, you've been, uh, <laughs> you've been previewing a new segment. The whole time. I don't know what you're talking about. It's called Historical Tidbit. You have one today. Um, this isn't the first time I'm hearing of it. So you want to lay it on us? So I'm in a uh, sports media history protest class. Being taught by? Kevin Blackstone. Wait. The Kevin Blackstone from Around the Horn? Yes. Hosted by Tony Reale on ESPN? Yes. That Kevin Blackstone? Yes. Who knows Woody Page? Yes. Who has the blackboard? Do you know the blackboard? I think no. that he has like funny phrase on it, whatever. Um, oh, Woody Page has Woody Page, yeah. yeah Woody Page. Not, not, not no. Professor Blackstone. Yeah. So, so what do you say? So, first of all, amazing class. Very quick plug for Professor Blackstone. Amazing guy. Um, He's on ESPN, guys. He's, he teaches at University of Maryland. Personal relationship, like, great. But his knowledge of history and sports is unbelievable. And um, he's a guy with strong values, and it's been great to be in his class during the semester. And um, stay in school, kids. Um, doing my final paper on the 1936 boycott of Jews from the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Right. And uh, it's been really, really cool. And I just came across today. Uh, I've been researching this for a while, and I haven't come across it until today. About the Long Island University basketball team. Really? Considered to be one of the greatest basketball teams of all time. They were 25 and 0 in 1935, I think. They were coached by, I forgot his name, it was a cool name. Chip, oh, Chip. You can Google it. Long Island coach 19, BBL, CBL or something. Um, but. And he is responsible for creating the one three one zone defense. Really, uh, Claire B. Claire B. Cool. Claire or Claire cool. Bay. Claire cool. B. Claire B. Twenty six uh. and nine, right? And he is considered to be Bob Knight's mentor. Really, so really awesome, uh, really accomplished coach, and their team was unbelievable, and um, they had. There were a couple of guys from that team that played professionally, one that played, that pitched in the World Series for the Yankees, one that became a bowler, great athletes. And these guys, 25 no, were thinking of playing in the Olympics. And uh-huh. the way it worked back then, I don't know how it worked, but you, I think you played like, I think it was amateurs back then. Yeah, um, and even in all sports. Right. So amateurs... And normally the way it would work is I think, like, your team would go. Um, And, like, they were saying that if the Long Island University team tried out, they would have easily been the U.S. team. And even more so, they would have easily won the gold medal. Easily, they said. Um, And they decided to boycott 
the Olympic Games mm -hmm. uh, to show uh, that they were strongly against the actions of Hitler in Germany, and uh, and and then it's it's really really cool. They many of the players on the team are Jewish. A lot of Jewish last names. Um, there was like a Kramer. There was. I want to say a Schwartz. I don't know Jew Jewish last names. So yeah, like, maybe they they were called the, they they played in the Schwartz Athletic Center for a while. Okay, so I bet you it's named after him. Let's see the player. Oh, LAU renamed the, the this building Metcalf Hall after the university's first president. So Tristan Walker Metcalf. Great. So Tristan. He, he's the one who um, announced. He's the it. one, and it was it was an amazing announcement. It was strong. It was poignant. Um, it, it was, it was saying how, uh, going, sending our boys to, uh, to Germany is supporting this regime. And we, as a university do not believe that. And we are not sending our boys. And basically the way it worked is the players had a, there's, there should be a whole book about this. The, um, is there not? No, I don't think so. The silent. You should write it. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. The voting, they had a silent blind vote, whatever it's called. And if one person voted to boycott, the whole team would do it. And you didn't, no one knows what happened there. And I think this story only came out about the voting and like all of that when so, someone's daughter, granddaughter, a member of the team took him to the Holocaust Museum. And they were looking at something about the 1936 Olympics. And he's like, you know, I was supposed to be there. Like something really cool like that. That's really cool. And um, there's a lot there. I summarized it, but that is our historical hit of the week. That's awesome. You know, something a little more historical, a little more serious, but he, very important. Also, I said earlier, I don't remember if I said this, uh, he came up with a 24-second shot clock. Really? I think. Chip, Chip um, Bay. I Chip think it was B. someone else. So It was the um, owner of the Syracuse Nationals at the type time. Type in Chip B. 24... 24-second 20, shot clock. Well, some more history here. Uh, uh, it was founded by Danny Biasone, owner of the Syracuse Nationals. I disagree. No, no, it, it was. It was, though. So, what was my source telling me? Oh, he brought it to the NBA. It's possible he um, it was in the. Uh, let's see. We're looking through some history. Uh, shot clock first came to use in 1954 in Syracuse, New York, where Syracuse Nationals owner Danny Biasone, um, experimented using a 24 second version during a scrimmage game. Here, I I have what we're looking for. Yeah. The shot clock's root date to August 10th, 1954 in Syracuse. The NBA's founding fathers, Bison, Red Auerbach, Ned Irish, Eddie Gottlieb, and Claire B. Met so he was, he, was, he was one of the, the people involved. One, one of the fathers. Well. Very interesting. Good stuff. Can we keep, keep the, that segment? We're definitely keeping that segment. This was great. A little more serious, but very important. And that should definitely be like a 30 for 30 or something. I know. That'd be awesome. I know. Yeah, well... Should we reach out to Great, sponsors? Maybe, yeah. If uh, B school, if uh, Mo Ali of B school tutoring has uh, is making a documentary anytime soon, this could be it. This could be it. This could be it. So Keep um, updated. 
you know, let us know what you guys would like to, you know, hear more about. But we we like it to also be a surprise what our historical tidbit will be. Um, sometimes it'll be more serious. Sometimes it'll be more fun. Uh, I'm making this up now because I I'm just hearing about it now also. But I think it was a really. I know I killed fun. it, guys. Yeah, he did. And yeah, Alan, want to bring us to our hot take? Hot take. Yeah, I'd love to bring us to our hot take. So uh, as we all know, there's been a lot going on in sports these days. That's true. Um, you want to say it or should I? I think you should say it. Okay. Um. Who who was rookie of the year? In Duar or Otani? Oh, Otani. Oh, don't get me started. Otani, hot take. Otani should definitely be the rookie of the year. Oh, stop it. No, and stop Daniel, it. Stop the it. fact, your stats, the fact. This kid, I, my, our, our friend of the show, Jacob Sobel, put it perfectly, okay? What did he say? What did Sobel say? He got a bleach report that said, Shohei Otani needs Tommy John surgery that night. He had two home runs. Great. Drop the mic. I remember that. Yeah. Um, my question is this. Um, is it better to be mediocre at two things or really good at one mediocre thing? Mediocre is a strong word. Mediocre is a strong word. He was mediocre. He was not. He was good. And what? Bring up the stats. At pitching? Bring up, yes. I don't want to see any of Induart. So let's talk about specifically Shohei Otani. I, I feel like breaking the rookie record for doubles in Yankees history with 47 should matter. Bring up one second. You're getting... I just have to prove you wrong. Joe DiMaggio's record. Otani at 285. That's pretty good. That's great. He was better than I thought he was, actually. That's pretty good. 22 home runs, 60 RBIs, 10 stolen bases. And he was he didn't get that many at-bats. He had, he had 300 at-bats, while Duar had 643, I think. Um, but Daniel, wait, now read his pitching statistics. Four and two, three point three ERA. Fifty one innings. It's fifty one innings. Okay. And also, he had some really good stuff. Like, I'm, a, I like him. I think he's a good player. But if you look at Miguel and Duhar, was a top five third baseman in the league. Two ninety seven. Okay, twenty seven overs, ninety two RBIs, forty seven doubles. Played the entire year. That matters. It matters if you're on the field. Probably should have gotten rookie of the year. Thank you, Daniel. You just won the first. The hot take horns up. Hot take. The hot take horns up. Okay, <sighs> that's it. That's it. Go Aaron Jones. Have um, a great week. Yeah, enjoy sports. Is that is that my closing phrase now? Enjoy, enjoy sports. sports yes. I like it. It's like very simple, but it's true. You should enjoy sports. Love that. All right. We are, are out. out.